You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. All right, so today we're going to be spending some time in uh, Luke 15, and it's the parable of the prodigal son. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it. And especially the kids, I need you to pay attention because there's going to be some questions after this. And if you don't answer it, there's going to be a punishment. No, I'm just kidding. No. All right, so Running Away is the title of our story today. And it says, Jesus told this story about a boy who ran away. Once upon a time, there was a boy and his dad. Now, one day, the boy gets to thinking, Maybe if I didn't have my dad around telling me what is good for me all the time, I'd be happier. He's spoiling my fun. He thinks, does my dad really want me to be happy? Does my dad really love me? And the son never thought of that before, but suddenly he doesn't know anymore. So the son goes to his father and says, Dad, I'm better off without you. I can look after myself. Just give me my share of your money. And his father is sad, but he won't force his boy to stay. So he gives his son what he wants. And the son takes the money and goes on a long, long journey to a far-off country. And everything is wonderful and perfect for a while. He can go wherever he wants. He can do whatever he wants, be whoever he wants. He is the boss. He is free. And sometimes he gets a strange, hungry, homesick feeling inside his heart. But then he just eats more or drinks more or buys more clothes or goes to more parties until it goes away. But soon... His money runs out, and so does his friends. He ends up getting the only job he can find, feeding pigs. One day, he is so hungry and desperate, he even tries some piggy food. Have you ever tried piggy food? Anyone here wants to confess? What am I doing, he says suddenly. As if he has woken from a nightmare, he spits it out, yuck, all of it, ick, out of his mouth. My father is rich, and here I am in a pigsty eating piggy food. He wipes his mouth and dusts himself off. I'm going home, he says. As he starts from home, though, he begins to worry. Dad won't love me anymore. I've been too bad. He won't want me for his son anymore. So he practices his I'm sorry speech. All this time, what he doesn't know is that day after day, his dad has been standing on his porch, straining his eyes, looking into the distance, waiting for his son to come home. He just can't stop loving him. He longs for the sound of his boy's voice. He can't be happy until he gets him back. The son is still a long way off, but his dad sees him coming. What will, dad, what will the dad do? 
fold his, fold his arms and frown and shout, that'll teach you, boy, and you just wait, young man. No, that's not how the story goes. The dad leaps off the porch, races down the hill, through the gap in the hedge, up the road. And before his son can even begin his I'm sorry speech, his dad runs to him, throws his arms around him, and can't stop kissing him. Let's have a party, the dad shouts. My boy is home. He ran away. I lost him, but now I have him back. And Jesus told them, God is like the dad who couldn't stop loving his boy. And people are like the son who said, does my dad really want me to be happy? Jesus told people this story to show them what God is like and to show people what they are like so they could know however far they ran, however well they hid, However lost they were, it wouldn't matter because God's children could never run too far or be too lost for God to find them. That's the end of our story today. And I just want to highlight a few things from this story. We are all like children. This analogy that the Bible uses of us being children and God being our father is right on point. And we all behave like children. So this is a question for the kids. Or any son or daughter here. Would you like to live by yourself? <laughs> there you go. There you, there you go. That will preach. My, my kids have told me that. And they imagine this world where they can do whatever they want. And in a way, our society sort of promotes that, right? We, we hear all the time, find yourself, do whatever you want, follow your dreams. And there's this, this, this push to express yourself and do what, what, who you are, be who you are, be free, be happy. But the reality is that once we start doing it, and, and I've, I've seen it before, uh, thankfully, none of my kids have actually walked away, or I, I'm, I'm waiting for that day that one of them gets so angry at me that packs and leaves, because I want to see it. I've, I've heard the stories, but it always happens, right? They can just go a few, a few uh, blocks, and then they realize, oh, where am I going? And I'm going to lose basically everything. It doesn't go away. Even as we grow older, it always happens. We truly believe that we know better than our father. I used to criticize people because I would always fe get fed up because I thought that everyone always wanted everything their way. And I actually, in my marriage, at one point, I actually told Carla, you are the kind of person that it's your way or the highway. And it was so upsetting to me because I wanted it my way. And that's what I realized, that I was hating people that wanted things their own way because I wanted things my way. We're all like that. We, we all humans have this tendency to think that our opinion and, and what we do is the right opinion, right? Your hobby is the best hobby. Your sport is the best sport. We think we're better. We think we know better than, than everyone or others, but mostly our, our parents or our fathers. 
And this has been the story of my life, and I'm pretty sure this is the story of your life as well. If you are a teenager, when I, in Mexico, I'm from Mexico City, we don't, we don't have proms or balls or all, like those things to me are still like things I, I watched in the movies. But we do trips. So when I graduated high school, my, 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 my class organized a trip. And back then, Cancun wasn't like the biggest thing. That was a long time ago. If you were old enough, you probably remember Acapulco. That was like the thing back in the 80s, 90s. That was like the place to go in Mexico. So my class organized a trip um, to Acapulco by ourselves. And it was like, what? We're all going to, like, imagine kids getting out of, out of high school and all going to Acapulco by themselves, renting a, an apartment, and it was going to be, like, the most glorious thing in the world. And I remember coming to my dad and telling him, Dad, this is the plan, and this is what we're going to do. And my dad straight up said, no, you are not going. And it was the worst thing in my, like, I, I, it was probably, like, the worst month after that because everyone, every day, we're talking about Acapulco, every single day. And everyone was saying what they were going to do and what they were going to bring and how it was going to be. And, and everybody kept asking me, are you going? And I was just like, I don't know. I'm still looking at my dad. Might not. And it was the most embarrassing thing of, of my life. Then I didn't go, of course. And then everybody came back and everybody said, it was the greatest thing. And they told me all the things they did. And I hated my parents for, nev for not letting me go until now. And I'm like, Dad, thank you. <laughs> you probably saved me from a lot of things. And we are like that. We sometimes do not want to follow what our parents tell us. And as we grow, we can, we can start to see and understand what my, our parents did and why they did it. And we also see their mistakes, but that's not necessarily my point. That I just want to highlight that just like the prodigal son, we believe that we know better than God. And just like the prodigal son, our own choices and decisions apart from our father will always disappoint us. Because living for yourself, living selfishly will always disappoint you. Making our own choices and thinking that we're, we know better than our Father always translates into living selfishly, living for ourselves. And again, this is something our society continues to tell us. Do what you want. Find your own voice. Reach for your dreams. Do what you want. That's what we are constantly told. But if we make our own choices and we rely on ourselves and we live our lives in our own terms, we will always end up disappointed. Because going after our stuff, after money, after power, after success, education, whatever you are going after, it will never give you what you truly want. There is nothing on earth that will ever satisfy you other than the Father. People, things, accomplishments, whatever you find, it will never satisfy you. If we were satisfied, we would probably see more people like Tom Brady saying, you know what, I'm going to retire because I've already had five Super Bowls. But what, what is he doing? Like there's still rumors out there like, he's coming back? Does he want 20? Is 20 enough? Is 30 enough? And you have people that just can't get enough of anything. And it's the same. 
When I hear about the money that the, the richest people on earth have, I'm like, when do you stop? Oh, this guy just reached the 2,000 trillion million. I'm like, and he's still working? Why? Like, what's the purpose of, like, it's never enough. Whatever we think, it's not enough. Women, toys. I see with my kids, they always want toys. And then you, they have toys in boxes. Now that I moved, I'm like, there's boxes of toys that they never touch, but they want new ones. Nothing that we try to grasp, that we search, that we go for in the, on this earth will satisfy us. It will always leave us disappointed. It will always leave us unsatisfied. And because we want to live our lives the way we want, we sometimes feel like the prodigal son that restrictions and limitations are a burden. We believe that God, just like our parents, doesn't get us. He's, he just doesn't want to give me what I want. He, he's not understanding my feelings. He just doesn't know. I know he knows, but in reality, he doesn't get me. And we don't understand that restrictions and limitations and sometimes hard things and suffering are not necessarily burdens, are not necessarily God being mean to you. It's actually God safeguarding you, God protecting you. This is what happens with kids. Joel ran from me from Target when, I, when he was three years old, and it's the worst experience in my life. He just, I just let go of him for like a second because I was going to grab something. And I just, I was sure that I, when I turned around, he was going to be there. And he wasn't. It took two seconds. And I saw him run around the corner on the aisle. And then I just went the other way. And he wasn't there. And then I went to the next one and he wasn't there. And, he wa and, and I just couldn't find him. And five minutes passed and I just went to the door and I asked the, the officer there and the, or the, the person there. And they locked the, the store and they spent like 20 minutes looking for my son. They radioed the whole store. And I'm like panicking. I'm like, what? Like, I don't know if you're a parent, but that's like one of the worst feelings you can get. Like losing your child. And then after that, I found him. He was laughing and he didn't think much of it. And don't judge me. But after that, I bought a leash. And he hated the leash. And it was one of those backpacks. Have you seen those that don't look like leashes? Because I, I, was, I was the dad that said, how come Americans put leashes on their kids? And I'm like, welcome. Uh, because restrictions and limitations, even though we don't like them, are sometimes for us to be protected. God is keeping us. He is actually wanting us to be happier and have a better life. It is the same with our Father in heaven. God's commands, God's limitations, God's directives are for our own good. God is not trying to actively make our lives miserable. Even if you don't get to go to Acapulco and you think it's the worst thing in the world, you don't know. God knows. He's doing whatever he's doing for your best. It's crazy how accurate this comparison between us and God and our children and ourselves is so on point. Because we never grow out of this. We as adults behave in the exact same way. And I would now ask the adults, would you like to do whatever you want? 
Would you like to live like if your dad was never around? And most of us would probably know that the right answer is to say no, but we would actually live in a different way. But if we keep getting our own way and doing what we want, we will continue to get frustrated. And we will end up far from God. And if you're not a believer, I want to say this. And if you're a believer, I want to remind you of that we're all selfish. And in our strength, we cannot submit to our Father. Us running away from God and us doing what we want is literally sin. That's what the Bible calls sin. Disregarding God's commands and directives is what the Bible calls sin. I love how John Stott, this, he's one of my uh, favorite uh, theologians. John Stott says, he's, he defines sin this way. Sin is the revolt of the self against God. The dethronement of God with a view to the enthronement of oneself. Ultimately, sin is self-deification, the reckless determination to occupy the throne which belongs to God alone. So sin is becoming your own God. Sin is doing what you want. Sin is that you are your own king or queen of your life. Sin is thinking that you know better than God. Sin is doing your life the way you think it's best. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They were the first ones telling God, I know you said this, but guess what? I'm going to do whatever I want. And we read about it in Genesis 3. This is how it happened. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast on the field that the Lord God had made. And he said, the serpent said to the women, Did God actually say, you shall not eat any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of, the fr of any tree in the garden, or the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle or in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the women, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And this is the key part. You will be like God. See, the invitation of Satan to Adam and Eve was, you don't need God. You can be your own God. You will be like God. Knowing good and evil. Other translations said choosing good and evil. Like it's now up to you to decide what is good and what is bad. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for, good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Please stop saying that the original sin is eating an apple. We don't even know what fruit it is. The original sin is the, is the sin that we commit every day. Knowing what God wants and doing the opposite. And we have, all of us, have told God, I know you said I shouldn't lie, but I know you said I should not steal, but I know you said I should not envy others, but... I know you said I should not worship anything other than you, but I know you said I should keep the Sabbath, but I know you said, and, and that's what we do all the time. We are all sinners. We are all rebellious. We all want to walk away from God. That is sin, and sin separates us from God, and because of the Bible, the Bible says that 
everyone have sinned, and we have all sh uh, fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. And sin has consequences. That separates us from God. That kills us. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. That's what we're all walking towards without Jesus. Death is the total separation from life, who is God. Death is the absence of goodness, uh, the absence of love, the absence of, of friendship. Death is eternal separation from God. And that's what we're choosing daily when we say, thank you for your observations and your opinions, God. I'm going to go ahead and do whatever I want. We're all selfish, and we cannot submit to our Father. In fact, we are unable to do it because we don't even want to submit to our Father. But this is where the message of the gospel, which is the central message of scripture, is better than this parable. Because our father in heaven, unlike the father in this parable, is not just standing in the porch waiting for us to come back. Our father in heaven is way better than the parent or the father in this parable. Because he doesn't wait for us to come back. No, he is not waiting. He is coming for us. He, in fact, sent his only son to go get us. And we know the, you, we know the verses. 1 John 4.14, and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. He came. He went for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but guess what? The free gift of God is eternal life in whom? In his son, in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are just like the prodigal son. We believe that we are better or no better than our father in heaven. But our Father is not just waiting for us to come back. He's actively pursuing us. He sent his only son to die for us. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to save us. And if you're a child or an adult listening, I just want to make this clear. What does Jesus save us from? From our sin that separates us from God. From eternal death. Jesus defeated death by resurrecting on the third day. He also saves us from the devil, our enemy who's actively trying to destroy us and destroy our family and our world. Jesus defeated Satan. How does Jesus save us? He saved us by doing all the things we were not able to do. He takes our place. He is our substitute. He came to our world and he obeyed the Father perfectly because we couldn't obey our Father perfectly. He came and lived the life that we couldn't live. And he also came and took all of our sins and went to the cross and died in our place. And that's why we are saved. He was punished. He was tortured. He was killed on a cross because he took our sin. He was innocent, but he took our sin and was considered guilty because of us. And on that cross, he carried our sins, and through his blood, he has now cleansed us from sin. And the Father, who is also the judge, found him guilty on our behalf, and now he finds us innocent because of what Jesus did. And Jesus took our punishment for us. And through Jesus, we are forgiven. And through Jesus, we now have eternal life. The Father was not standing in the porch waiting for us. He actively came to send, to, he actively sent his son to save us.
So what do you need to do to be saved? The number one thing you need to do is believe what I'm telling you. Believe in Jesus. You need to repent and come to him. Meaning you need to stop doing what you want to do and say, now you're the boss, not me. And believe that he will wipe away your sins and take you to the Father. But I want to make sure you understand something. Your salvation is not something that depends on what you do. Your salvation only depends on what Jesus has done. You do not need to earn your salvation. Salvation is a gift from God accomplished by Jesus. You don't need to be good to be saved. You don't need to, you don't need to behave in order to, to be saved. That is something that happens after you become saved. Because now you have the power to do it. It's not about your morality or behavior. It's about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And this is an invitation for everyone. This eternal life, this forgiveness is open to anyone. And our Father, just like the Father in this story, has his arms wide open for all of us. And if you're not a believer, you can come to Jesus. You can go back to God through Jesus And you will always be received with open arms by your Father. And I want to tell all of us, if we have experienced a bad Father, through our real Father, through our Heavenly Father, we have everything we need. He is a God who is not waiting, who actively searches and seeks us. We have a God who will never fail us and loves us constantly. We have a God who will never leave us, who will never abuse us, who will never lie to us. We have a perfect God, a perfect Father in Jesus, in in the Father and in Jesus as well. And I want to finish by inviting us to come back to the Father and be reminded Just as Romans 5 reminds us, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you are listening to me and you consider yourself a sinner or know yourself a sinner, I want to tell you that God died for for you and he wants to transform your life. And he wants to welcome you to his family and take you to his eternal home forever. Will you consider, if you're not a believer, coming back to Jesus? This gift is for you, and it's free. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. And we have a way in which we respond to this, to the proclamation of the gospel every week in our church, and that is through communion. We take communion, the Lord's Supper, uh, the Eucharist, whatever you, you, you call it, because we want to respond to the preaching of God's word, to the message of the gospel, by remembering what Jesus has done for us. We remember that he was punished on our behalf and that he went to the cross and that his body was broken for us. And we also remember that through his blood, we are now forgiven and we have eternal life. And if you're not a believer, this is also an opportunity for you to consider this and believe and turn your life to Jesus and give him the ownership of your life. Make him your savior. Make him your Lord and your king. We also respect if you choose not to do it. We just ask that you do not participate because this is a public proclamation of your faith in Christ. So I'm going to invite all of us to come through the middle.
get uh, the, the elements and exit through the sides to, to your uh, seats. And as you do that, just thank God for his work on the cross for you. Let's continue worshiping.